Our pastor, Dave McMurray, is uh, in New York City this morning, having a good time doing something. I'm not sure what. In his absence, we have Laura Shepard bring this a word. Uh, if you're new here, we have a board of elders that uh, govern this church, and Laura has served on that board for a number of years. Godly man. More importantly, he is married to Rhonda for uh, a lot of years, father of eight, or is that 12? I forget. A lot of kids. We look forward this morning to hearing what Lars has to share with us this morning. There we go. Uh, I just tell people I got greedy, greedy for blessing. Yeah, the Bible says uh, children are reward from the Lord. And so I just never was able to say, God, I don't want any more rewards. And I did tell him plenty of times I'm overwhelmed. I don't know if I can handle more. But uh, help, and uh, he's faithful to do that. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a privilege, a joy to share God's word with you today. And uh, here's what James says uh, in James 1. He says, uh, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. And so he's talking about our distractions uh, the idols that we set up that hinder us from hearing God, from knowing God, from following God, putting aside all those things, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. And then he says, there, uh, you know, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who delude themselves. So receive God's word today. It's, it's our life. And... Uh, Dave has been uh, preaching a series in Ephesians, so that's where we are, Ephesians 1, and that's page uh, 976 uh, in that uh, black Bible under the seat there. Uh, oh, just kind of uh, to prepare you, if you've got a pencil, you may want to pull it out. A uh, few other verses tend to come in, and uh, we won't have time to go look at them, but maybe just jot them down. You may want to look at it later and uh, to put it all together. Uh, but we're in Ephesians 1. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, verses 15 to uh, 23 there, the end of Ephesians 1. And this is a prayer, a prayer that uh, Paul prayed. And uh, we mentioned the, uh, the, the new Sunday school class on the praying life by Paul Miller. That is a fantastic opportunity. If you want to grow in your prayer life, it's a very practical uh, approach. And uh, so I hope you take advantage of that. Uh, normally I'd meet during this hour, not meeting today because the teacher was on call and uh, the backup is here. And so we need another backup if anyone wants to volunteer. But uh, uh, speaking of prayer, I have good news. I have good news for you. Jesus, right now, is sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for us, praying for you individually. Uh, now, as you think about this, that's Hebrews 7.25, by the way. Uh, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who draw near to God through him, since he ever lives, always lives, to make intercession for them. Now, what do, you, what do you suppose Jesus is praying for? Uh, and, and have you thought about 
do you think Jesus ever prays a prayer that goes unanswered? That's kind of ridiculous since everything he says is the word of God and uh, the word of God is sure and will be fulfilled. But uh, what do you think he's praying for? Certainly, it's much more than we can comprehend, we can understand. Romans 8 talks about the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings and utterings too deep for words. Uh, Have you ever prayed just, you didn't have words for it, but it was an ache or just the sigh of your soul? Uh, Holy Spirit understands that. He translates that uh, to God. And so uh, Jesus is praying, and he's praying Scripture. So I would imagine he's, he prays the prayer that we're, we're looking at today. Now, there are other prayers in Scriptures as well, but uh, uh, he's praying this one. What do you, and what do you pray for yourself? What, what do you pray for your family members? What do you pray for our friends here in, in the, this fellowship? Uh, last week, I needed something, and I, I looked where it always is, should have been, wasn't there. Uh, I spent probably a couple hours, because I, I really needed this, uh, looking everywhere it should have been, a lot of places where it shouldn't have been, and uh, several times in the same places, two or three times the same place, wasn't there. I, I was desperate. <laughs> Help, Lord, you know right where it is. Could you show me where it is? You ever prayed a prayer like that? Uh, When I leave the house, I often pray, okay, Lord, uh, am I forgetting anything, missing anything that I'm going to need that's critical to this trip or whatever? When I get on the road, I pray for traveling mercies, for safety. Uh, I just pray throughout the day for help in whatever I'm doing or things that come to mind. Um. I mean, I, I don't have any ideas on my own. I, I have to have other creative people around me, but I'm, I'm, God, give me an idea. Is that, is that okay to, to pray those kinds of things? Uh, Philippians 4, 6, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad that... Uh, uh, God's concerned with my stuff, whether it's big or small. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. So, so it's okay. Uh, it, but the encouragement today is let's not stop there or even major on those things, but let's pray the bigger things that, that's on God's heart for us. Okay, and so we're, we're uh, in this prayer today. Let's read it, and uh, you can follow along in your Bibles there. Ephesians 1, starting at verse 15. <clears throat> For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, 
that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's just stop and pray that. That scriptural prayer for one another, okay? Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you. I thank you for each person here and your grace that is at work in them and through them. I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding in you, that you would grow our knowledge of you. I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our heart so that we will know what is the hope of your calling, that our faith will grow. We will know the riches of the glory of your inheritance. And what is the surpassing greatness of your power toward us? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, he starts off in verse 15 for this reason. Um, what, what reason? Well, a couple of verses before. He talks about it, but he actually just slides right on into it. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. What's he saying? He's saying basically, since you are in Christ, since you are in him, I do not cease to give thanks for you and pray for you. This is the new identity we're talking about in Ephesians. It's it's in Christ, being in Christ. And being in Christ, he is in us. And so the new identity is the Jesus in me identity. The Jesus in you identity. Now, uh, who are you? Who who am I? Um, You know, Mike introduced me because uh, you you were thinking, well, who is this guy? Why is he up front speaking today? And so Mike told you my name. I'm Laura Shepard. And he told you a little bit about what I do. And that's kind of what people want to know. But that's not who I am. I'm a son of God. I'm, I'm, my new identity is I'm Jesus in me. Your new identity as a follower of Christ, being in Christ, you are Jesus in you. Now the challenge is we tend to live out of our old identity. Uh, the person we were, uh, that sinful person, that failing person, uh, instead of who we are now. In Christ, you are no longer the slave to sin, the failure you once were. That person died. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the flesh, I live out of who I am, by the faith of, of Christ. Second Corinthians 
if, therefore, if any man, any person be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. All things are become new. So by faith, you are now, you are now the completely new person, the Jesus in you person. Paul gave thanks for them. Jesus gives thanks for you and prays unceasingly for you. And then that's, that's the rest of life process. That's the Christian life. Living out of the new identity, the new person, who I am in Christ. And now he talks a little bit more, more about how to do that when he prays for us. So now notice carefully what, what Paul prays. <clears throat> he prays that God give you a spirit of wisdom and understanding of himself. He's praying that we, we get to know God better. We, we grow in our knowledge of God. He prays that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that, you, that your faith grows. And so he says that you may know, and he, he mentions some things that he wants you to know that we'll talk about in just a minute. But this knowing is not just intellectual knowledge. He's praying that you know experientially who God is and that you believe. So he's praying that you know some things, that you believe some things. Uh, notice he's, what he's not praying here. Paul is not asking God to give them things. He's not asking God to change their circumstances. He's not asking God to help them do something. But he's praying that they will know God and the things that result out of that, experientially, that relationship. And, they're pr- and he's praying that they will increasingly believe some things, grow their faith. Now, why is that? I'm sure they had pressing needs. Well, let me, let me make a suggestion here. Uh, we all have needs. Uh, God designed us with needs. One of the needs we have is uh, to be secure in, in loving someone and being loved. That's relationship. And uh, first of all, our relationship with God. We have security in knowing God. Uh, we have a need of significance. He made us to be involved in, in uh, something of eternal impact, eternal importance. Uh, and, he, and he tells us in Scripture uh, what that is. So we have some basic needs. Now, based on our needs, uh, we either maybe consciously or even just unconsciously, we formulate our beliefs. How can those needs be met? Uh, there's something in my soul longing for something, and so we create the way we live life, the way we do life, and that's based on what we believe. And then... Uh, based on our beliefs, we'll formulate goals, again, either consciously or unconsciously. And then based on our goals, that's what we do. There's our behavior. So now, again, if, if we want to change our behavior, what do we need to do? It's not, uh, or, or uh, maybe your children or maybe other people who you're responsible for. We see the, we see the behavior and we want to correct that, and our tendency then is to try to use outward force somehow to uh, uh, change the behavior. What we really need to do is focus on what we believe. If we can change what we believe, we'll change what we do. Does that make sense? And so that's what he prays. 
He prays that we will know some things, we will believe some things. Well, we'll know what and believe what? Well, the first one is he prays that we know the hope of his calling. This is both present and future. His calling is being experienced now and will ultimately be fulfilled when he calls us home. Um, Romans eight twenty eight, he says uh, he promises good to those who are called according to his purpose. And and what's his purpose? Well, that's the next verse, Romans eight twenty nine. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So there's the calling. Our calling is to live as new creatures in Christ Jesus, to be conformed to his image, and he's using all of life to do that and uh, to experience that intimate fellowship with him, to walk in holiness and wholeness, to walk in obedience, to love one another, to look beyond our present suffering to the glory that awaits us, eternity with him. That's the hope of his calling. He prays that we will know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, the Greek expression here could mean either God's inheritance, uh, what he will inherit in us. It talk, in the Old Testament, it talks about his people as being his inheritance, his possession. Or it could also refer to the inheritance he bestows, that inheritance that is ours in Christ fellow heirs with Christ. In the parallel passage of of Colossians 1 is a similar prayer, verses 9 to 12 in Colossians. Uh, Paul talks about how he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And so he's talking about what we receive as an inheritance. Well, what has God promised? What's he bestowed on those who finish this life in Christ? Briefly, some of those things include uh, the earth. Matthew 5, 5. uh, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Have you ever wondered why we work so hard to accumulate things when we're going to inherit it all in the end anyway? Uh, God, I want what I want, and I want it now. huh? But he says we're going to inherit the earth. Uh, we inherit eternal life. And you can find several verses on that. Matthew nineteen twenty nine actually talks about we will inherit eternal life. Uh, we inherit the kingdom of God. Those who are blessed of, his, of my Father, he says, inherit the kingdom prepared for us from the foundation of the world. We inherit salvation. We inherit the promises. Uh, that's an interesting study. What... What is part of our inheritance? And it's far beyond what we anything that we know of here to compare with. In fact, 1 Peter 1.4 says, Our inheritance is imperishable. It's undefiled. It will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for us. Paul prays that we might know the riches of his glory that's part of our inheritance. He prays that we will know the power, the surpassing greatness of his power toward us. Well, how great is that? He kind of spells that out a little bit in the next few verses. He says it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Well, 
when he raised Jesus from the dead, that's not the same as it was when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, Lazarus died again. Uh, he raised Jesus uh, from the dead. This power raised Jesus from the dead with a whole new body, an immortal body. And he says that is promised to us. That's part of our inheritance, immortality. But it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that seated him at the right hand of God. Well, uh, how powerful is that? Well, he says it's far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion. It's above every name that's named in the present age and any age to come. That's pretty all-powerful. That's amazing power. Can that power change your life? Can that power set you free? This is, this is the power that rendered Satan powerless over the believers. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. We've been set free. Satan has no power over us except what we give him. His only power over the believer is, is a bluff. It's, it's deceit. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you, in me. Now, I do want you to turn to Romans 8. Romans 8. To look at these verses, camp out in them a little bit. Romans 8, starting at verse 10. He's talking about this. 10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We don't have to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So here's where we live the Christian life. He lives in us. We're in Christ. He lives in us. And the power of the Spirit of God is in us. And by that power, we are putting to death the deeds of the body. That's an ongoing process. And we live. Well, there it is. That's the prayer. That's what he prayed. That you know some things, that you believe some things, but it has tremendous results. And uh, we can pray these things for ourselves. We can pray these things for others and know that it's the same prayer Jesus prayed. And there are other prayers in Scripture. When you're praying Scripture, uh, that's, what, that's what God is praying. That's what Jesus is praying. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit more 
about this new identity, the Jesus in you identity. Uh, who is this Jesus? And so he, he continues here in verse 22 and 23. He says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He's head. He's head over all things. All things are under his feet. Does that include uh, West Nile virus? Uh, that's not such a threat. Maybe now it's getting colder, but we were concerned about that in Texas this summer. Uh, does that include uh, cancer, disease? Some of us are battling that. Is that under his feet? What about PTSD? What about deep, dark depression? Is that under his feet? What, what is the giant you're facing? Uh, whatever the nature, whatever the level, whatever the area of life, it, is that under his feet? Uh, what about accident? Those unforeseeable, seeming, random happenings that can be so devastating. Is that under the feet of Christ? Uh, how about acts of nature? I have some friends who, who their, their houses are a pile of ashes in Colorado Springs, the Waldo Canyon fire. Uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, tsunamis. Is that under the feet of Jesus? Under his power? Uh, what about death itself? Is death under his feet? How about Satan? Satan and his demons. Christ, head over all things, all things under his feet. Even Satan and his demons are subject to Christ. And we see that throughout Scripture. Whenever the demon-possessed met Jesus, they, they fell on their face, demonstrating his authority. They knew his authority. They recognized his authority. Specifically, verse 23 says he's head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is made up of those who have this new identity, this, this Jesus-in-me identity. Let me close with this. Uh, is that who you are? Do you know beyond any doubt that, that Jesus Christ is in you? That you are in the body of Christ, Jesus as your head? When uh, if, if the power of God, this surpassing power of God, is not evident in your life. It's like when we're using a power tool and it doesn't come on, what do we do? First thing we do is check the source. Are we plugged in? And so that's what I want to do today. Uh, now, there are many reasons why maybe that power is not evident. But the first, maybe the first place to start is, did I ever get plugged in? If you're not sure... I have some good news for you. You can be sure. First John 5.13, these things 
have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Second uh, Corinthians thirteen five. He says, "Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith or not. Test yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourself that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test." So uh, there are several tests in Scripture. Uh, here's one: First John two, First John two three. He says, "And by this we know that we have come to know Him." If we keep his commandments. The one who says I have come to know him. And does not keep his commandments. Is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word. In him the love of God. Has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says. He abides in him. Ought himself to walk. In the same manner as he walked. So when you. When you test yourself. When you examine yourself. Uh. Do you recognize Christ is in there? Uh, Do you see the power of God at work in your life? Do you pass the test? Well, if there's a doubt, how how can you be sure? And uh, here's a verse you all know, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. What does that mean to believe in it? That's not just saying some words, repeating a prayer. That goes much deeper. Uh, It's not going through a ceremony or a handshake. Uh, It's it's life-changing. I like to describe it using three words. What does it mean to believe? Three words. One is repent. Repent means a change of heart, a change of mind, uh, a change of view that results in turning away from going your own way, doing your own thing. And so when the Bible talks about turning away from our way, it associates it with turning to someone, and that's Christ. So receive Christ. Turn away from your way. Turn to Jesus Christ and receive him for who he is. Who is he? Well, John 1 says he's creator. Through him all things were made that are made. Uh, If he made it, who owns it? He's the owner. That's why we call him Lord. He's the owner. So when we receive him for who he is, we receive him, it's relinquished, being willing to let Christ control. That's what it means to believe. Receive him for who he is. Turn away from my way. Let him take control. Well, what's the application today? The application is to pray. If there's a doubt on uh, whether Christ is your head, whether you're in Christ, you have that new identity, the Jesus in me identity, then there, that's the prayer. Jesus, I, I, I want to turn away from my way. I receive you as Lord, and uh, I'm willing. Where I'm not willing, make me willing. But to turn loose and let you take charge and be in control of every area of my life. 
Now, if you know you are in Christ, that is your new identity. Then, then we pray, we can pray what, what Paul prayed here today. Help me to grow in my knowledge of you and what that means and what that looks like and help me to believe who you are and live out of my new identity in Christ. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for the new and living way you've made for us through your death, through your resurrection, Lord Jesus. And we want to appropriate that grace by faith and know who we are in Christ and live as children of God. Live out of that new Jesus in me person and bring glory to you and be used of you to reach our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors with this new life as well. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.